When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's September 15th, 1997, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Aria, Rebecca, and Ali, the Retrospectors. So here's an exciting thought. Tomorrow is the 1997 Frankfurt Motor Show. <laughs> I know. But hold on to your fluids, because the pre-game press launches are already happening yes. on this night the night before the 1997 Frankfurt Motor Show, BMW are about to give the world's automotive media a first glimpse at what we now know as the new Mini, as in a retro revival Mini, which isn't really a Mini at all, it's a small BMW that looks a bit like an old Mini, (laughs) that then eventually rolled off the production line on April the 26th, 2001, since when more than 5 million, all built in the UK, have been sold. I mean, what's astonishing, really, is that they hadn't come up with a new Mini prior to that moment, because, in fact, the old Mini had been in production for 41 years with only sort of tweaks and subtle changes and little tidbits and oddities added. But the basics of the model was the same car that they had produced 41 years ago. It's amazing. And I think there'd still be a market, don't you, for the old Mini now? Oh, my God, I'd love one. Just put an electric motor in it. I want it. (laughs) And I think it's interesting that this is the same year. It wasn't long ago we were talking about Tony Blair's Cool Britannia party at number 10. That marked this Mm. high water point of interest in Britain as this swinging 60s place full of art and culture and design. And the Mini obviously had become an iconic symbol of that era. Although I'm sure, as we'll go into, it wasn't really conceived as being like some fun, cool thing for the swinging 60s. It was actually quite a functional (laughs) reason for its Mm. design. But, you know, it really marked this moment where there was interest in retro things. Because the 80s, in terms of cars, had been about speed and power, like picture a yuppie with a ponytail and like Mm. a big old mobile phone with an antenna on it like he's barreling down the autobahn that's kind of the vision and then you know by the 90s there was this growing appetite of something that was a bit more quirky and individual you do wonder whether part of their deliberate sort of amping up of the Britishness of the car, including painting Union flags onto its roof and so on, was because by this stage it was owned by BMW and they were trying to create a new British icon, but from the perspective of this company that's very much famously associated with and headquartered in Germany. Yes. How can we export Britain overseas? And they felt that they'd be better at it. Well, to be fair, they proved to be better oh, at true. it than the British owners previously <laughs> of Mini had been. Brits, when they had Mini all to themselves, sort of almost underestimated, I think, its, its iconic status mm. overseas. I mean, the original car was such an icon that at the turn of the century, there was a poll of international auto writers who ranked it second to the Ford Model T mm. as the most significant car of the century. And so, you know, to answer the thing about, well, why didn't they redesign it earlier than 1997? I think they knew that it was such an icon that you just had to be really, really careful. And in fact, although they unveiled this redesign in 1997, 
they didn't put it into production until 2001, partly because it was the 40th anniversary of the Mini mm. in 1999, and they wanted it to have that birthday before they started messing around with it, in case the press was negative, mm. in case people were like, you have destroyed this precious thing. Which, to be fair, a lot of people did say. I mean, for one thing, it patently wasn't a small car, which you know, <laughs> the, the name Mini would make you think it was going to be. It was quite a big, generous car, though by necessity it sort of needed to be to comply with contemporary motoring standards. You can't have doors that are kind of plywood thin. Um, you need to have a bit of buffering around your car and so on. And that was the important thing by that time, wasn't it? It was, the, it was more the aesthetic image of the Mini was what was really in people's mm. hearts. The average motorist didn't necessarily want to trundle around in a plywood car from the 1960s, but they wanted to buy into that idea of this quirky, characterful British motor that stands apart from, say, you know, your continental brands that all feel quite generic. Let's do the history lesson then, Rebecca. You mentioned that it's origins weren't in the Beatles and the Swinging Sixties and uh, <laughs> Peter Sellers. <laughs> Why did the Mini get invented in the first place? In response to the fuel shortages caused by the Suez Crisis. <laughs> not, it wasn't called the Swinging Suez for a reason. Um, <laughs> so these fuel shortages had led to the appearance on British streets of micro cars from the continent. And Leonard Lord, who was the head of the British Motor Corporation, which originally commissioned the Mini, he commissioned it because he hated these micro cars. And if you look at them, you can kind of see why the worst ones look like a Postman Pat van that's been compressed. And the other, and some of the other ones, they literally so look true. like a sidecar with a cockpit lid on the top of it. They look like wacky races cars. And he hated seeing these things. Also, that includes the Fiat 500, though, right? Which is also a classic and also had its own revival around this true. time that we're commemorating. Yeah. So he really said, you know, we have to build this car that's going to be small, it's going to be economical, and it's going to get us through this crisis moment as a nation. The designer that this brief fell to was a guy called Alec Isigonis. <laughs> he sounds like he was the headstrong person to take this challenge on because one of his uh, famous quotes was the public don't know what they want and it's my job to tell them <laughs> which I think is astonishing um, just the hubris of it anyway so he set about doing it and he did all of these clever things like moving the engine to make more space making the windows so that they didn't slide down into the doors but instead they slid sort of horizontally which famously made space in the doors themselves for the compartment that could hold a bottle of Gordon's gin <laughs> <laughs> which I also love as a little thing that he just built in there. <laughs> that immediately takes you to a car that could only have been developed in Britain. Doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Does it have a gin pocket? <laughs> yeah. um, he also made sure that there was this really impressively oversized ashtray. It had no car radio. He, he was like, no need for entertainment. I'll just put in a massive ashtray. So he obviously had his own uh, <laughs> kind of priorities. And it was expected for many, many years that the Mini would stop being made and sold, that the popularity would wane, that even though it was an iconic car, it was an iconic car from the 60s, you know, the Italian job and all that. And actually, by the 90s, surely people of the 90s wouldn't want to still buy a Mini. And so in the, I think it was 1980, Austin, which was part of Rover, which owned Mini, developed the Mini Metro, which was my first car. Ah. And that was designed to usurp Mini. They actually, I mean, it seems hilarious now. 
but they really <laughs> thought that the Austin Mini Metro was going to be so popular that it would you'd be no need for a Mini by 1990 because everyone would be buying Austin Mini Metros. <laughs> and you look at the two designs now side by side and that is literally a hilarious <laughs> idea. But it makes sense that that concern was there because, you know, you mentioned the Fiat 500. Well, you know, the Fiat 500 has turned out to have quite a similar trajectory to the Mini. It was launched in 1957 mm. and it's become an iconic symbol of, you know, La Dolce Vita in the same way that the Mini did for the swinging 60s. And Fiat has reintroduced different versions, retro look relaunches. So it's very similar. But the other way that the Mini could have gone is the way of the Volkswagen Beetle, which is another car that is iconic in its design and that has very dedicated devotees. Uh, And, you know, it was following a similar trajectory in 1998. So just the year after this, VW launched the new Beetle. But by 2019, all Beetle production had ceased. That was when the last Mm. one rolled off the factory line. I did wonder why you don't see them so often anymore, yeah. Mm. But then I suppose the thing with Volkswagen is that the nostalgia factor is a bit more complicated given its origins. It is rather more problematic, (laughs) yeah. I think it was very difficult for Volkswagen to do, because with Fiat and Mini, it was always around like, this is the anniversary, like it's the 40th anniversary. And like, this is the anniversary of when Hitler ordered Ferdinand Porsche to create a car for the Reich. Less fancy. Uh, apparently Hitler famously dictated that the Volkswagen Beetle should be large enough for two parents and two children or two soldiers and one machine gun. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's amazing. That would also work for the Mini. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'd feel more defended, frankly, in a Beetle, though, I must say. Yeah, I true. mean, the original Minis, I think, would just get crushed, wouldn't they, in any kind of attack situation. Have you, have you been in one of the original Minis? Yes, I've been in one as a passenger. I've never owned one, but my car now is a Mini, so I'm a Mini oh, devotee. Oh, cool. I think they're amazing. That, you, I, you've this, buried that lead this far. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be hard-pushed to think of another car that was designed... Forget about the original Mini, which obviously is iconic, but even just to think of another car that was designed in 1997 that mm. still looks contemporary. Mm. I know they've tweaked it and sort of massaged some of the edges and changed some of the dynamics of it since, but basically it's the same as this one that was launched at the Frankfurt Motor Show in 1997. Did you know, though, that the contemporary Mini is not a lot bigger on the inside than the old Mini. And this can be proven by the fact that the Guinness Book World Record of how many people can be squeezed into an old Mini is 27. He, has to sully it. he always has to sully it with his, <laughs> with his press releases. I'm, so, I'm sorry. But, uh, <laughs> yes. Some chewing gum brand evidently did the following bit of research and found <laughs> that, yeah, you can get 27 people into the old Mini and the Guinness World Record for the new Mini is just 28 people. So there's just one extra tiny gymnast's worth uh, of room in the new Mini compared to the old one. That's good because people are bigger now. <laughs> true <laughs> machine guns though are the same size <laughs> tomorrow today's statement will make the government look simultaneously repressive and ridiculous love the show support the show patreon.com slash retrospectors part of the acast creator network